F Files Radio. Exploring feminism and technology through space and time. Hi, it's Sophie in for the F Files this morning on CKUT. On this episode, you'll be listening to an interview I had with Eve Parker Finley. Eve Parker Finley is a noted Montreal multi-instrumentalist, an upcoming indie pop superstar. Braiding a dense and deliberate web of string arrangements and classical naturalism into a former raver's penchant for programmed beats and four-on-the-floor grooves. Finley has been a mainstay in the Montreal independent scene for nearly a decade. Her debut album, Chrysalia, released December 4th with the Florophone Records and Coax Records. It was a pleasure to get to talk with her, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. How's it going? Wait, I can't hear you, but I think it's because I'm doing a thing. How about now? Can you hear me now? Yay, yes. Uh, um, but yeah, do you want to, if we can start, do you want to start by introducing yourself? Sure, I am Eve Parker Finley. Libra Sun, Sag Rising, Sag Moon. Um, I am a musician and multimedia creator person and occasional nouveau Instagram comedian. Nouveau Instagram comedian. <laughs> well, welcome. I'm so happy that we're getting to talk together. Um, uh, so, before we really get into it, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the mu- music that you're working on right now. I know that you're debuting your first album, Chrysalia. Mm-hmm. Saying it right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what's going on into this project and how you feel now that you're on the brink of this new release. The brink is a great word to use. Um, I definitely feel on the brink. (laughs) Um, Yeah, my first debut album, Chrysalia, comes out December 4th um, with Florophone and Coaxed Records. And they're all songs I've been writing for a couple of years. I recorded them last summer. um, And now it's finally time to birth her into the world. And I'm so excited. There's a few things that I really um, that I like to talk to people about in relation to the album. First, to explain the the name. So it's called Chrysalia for three reasons. One is the like idea of a chrysalis, which um, people think of as like this like really safe place that a beta caterpillar turns into a butterfly. Um, but really, a chrysalis is like this like what happens inside the chrysalis is like gross and disgusting and like the caterpillar has to like turn into goo and like lose all of its shape through like this weird chemical process and then becomes like a butterfly. 
So I like, I like that metaphor. Um, the second reason is when I was looking for like uh, obscure words that I could use to inspire the name of the album, I came across this word chrysalism, which means like the feeling of like pleasure or joy that you get from being inside during a thunderstorm. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Isn't it? Yeah. I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's just like, it's just like particular emotion word <laughs> that I really was really drawn to. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two reasons, plus I just wanted it to sound like feminine and plural because I want all the songs on the album to like try and elicit those two feelings in some sort of way. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. I'm so glad that you told me about that. I was going to ask you about the name and where that came from because it really stood out to me as something mm-hmm. seemingly very beautiful and intentional. Um, I love Chrysalia. Is that it? Or, or Chrysalia. I don't know, like however people want to say it. I've been saying it as Chrysalia, but... Chrysalia. Chrysalia. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, I wanted to, so you recorded most of these songs last summer Mm -hmm. and now you're birthing them in the winter. What does that make them? Uh, Scorpio babies? Oh, (laughs) interesting. Well, no, it's, it'll be out December. Oh yeah, December 4th. I guess that is Scorpio, is it? Mm, Nice. Good energy. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to know a little bit more about like your process of like working on these songs and if it was mostly you or if you did any certain collaborations within it. For sure. So before this album, I've made a couple little EPs under a different stage moniker, Lonely Boa. Um, and that was my like very solo project. I would just play like violin and loops and beats and electronics and sing and stuff. And then with this album, I wanted to like, this, well, at first it's like a full album. It's like 10 songs. Um, and I wanted to take a step away from being like a solo looping artist. And so I'm super happy that like I had my friends, uh, Alexis, Castro Giovanni, and Gwen Krasnicki um, to uh, uh, play cello and viola on the album. So it was like a little like little string quartet vibe. Um, And uh, the person I worked with to record the album, Kai Brooks, the two of us like really like spent a lot of time together crafting it and recording it and making it. So I feel like they're a big part of the album too. Um, and yeah, I was going to say something else, hopefully smart sounding and now I lost it. (laughs) I mean, that all sounded good to me. I was wondering, how long have you been living and working as a musician in Montreal music scene? Um, I wanted to know a little bit about how you've seen the scene shifting and how you feel that might have influenced your own practice. You've already talked a bit about how you were working under another name. You didn't want to be a looping musician, but I'm interested in more of that. 
Great question. Um, it's funny because I had a friend um, rewrite my artist bio recently and they gave it to me and I, in it, they were like talking about how um, I've like been here for almost a decade. And I was like, that can't be true. But then it like, it totally is true. I've been in the city for like nine years, which blows my mind. Um, and yeah, I feel like I've spent a lot of time playing and making music and going to see other people's shows and stuff during that time. And a lot of that is very influential on the music I make now. Um, especially like, like I often point to a few things as like uh, points of inspiration in terms of the music I make. One of them being like a lot of the <clears throat> like very cool ambient music scene that I've like seen over the last number of years. Um, pop up that I think is very cool, like the drone sleepovers at the plant and things like that. Um, that's definitely a point of reference or a point of inspiration. Also like, you know, classic indie rock bands. I always secretly have such a soft spot for it. <laughs> um, like I used to listen to, which is so connected back to like when I was like 16 and 17, like growing up in the countryside in Ontario and like would, would go, have to like drive 45 minutes to go do like violin lessons. I would like spend the whole time listening to like sad indie music, like um, the National and Arcade Fire and Broken Social Scene and stuff. And that's also very influential. Um, but then there's also, I think a big influence on me is also I used to, um, I used to go to a lot of like dance parties and raves and stuff, especially in like the mid 2010s. Um, <laughs> back then, <laughs> back then uh, also like back when those when partying was a thing more um, and uh, yes yeah, those three points of influence plus like my classical music upbringing I think all combined to influence the kind of music I make now which is sort of a constellation of those four mm -hmm. things but that's like quite the world wind of influences to be taking into mm -hmm. chrysalis and then emerging out of it with um, that's the goo that's the goo that's all the goo yeah did you also uh dj at one point <laughs> <laughs> yes i have dj'd a few times mostly for like fundraising fundraising dance parties and things i used to be a, a collective member of the prisoner correspondence project for a few years and um, I DJ'd a bunch of those like fundraising dance parties and also for um, some taking what we need related parties. I was never like that good at it, um, but I like loved, I loved DJing. That was really fun. It's so fun to like just, I mean, the way I approached it anyway was like just trying to make people feel good and want to dance for like an hour and a half like that is such it's such an amount of power and also like it's when it works it feels so amazing when it doesn't work it feels really bad <laughs> <laughs> when you can like tell that people are like not having a good time that is like the worst feeling ever no one's moving <laughs> you're just like oh my god no one no one likes this song I feel like we're in this point with quarantine where we get to talk about like shows and dancing with this like deep nostalgia 
Yeah. Um, and but I know that you got a chance to play live at least at Pop Montreal, mm -hmm. and I was wondering how how you're feeling that change with yeah like with the new restrictions working as a musician in a city. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> mixed. Uh, it was really special to be able to play a live show with a few humans for pop um, outside on, on the Rialto rooftop. And it felt like, it reminded me of like, how big of a reason that activity is why I want to be a musician. Um, <clears throat> and like a few people came up to me afterwards and, and spoke of similar feelings that it like really is special to receive live music um, and how like, how, you know, that can't be replicated virtually. At the same time, I think there is like such an interesting explosion of like exploration um, in terms of like online and virtual like connection and, and creativity. And I think that's really cool. And I think that will continue afterwards. Um, and it's also like long overdue in terms of like live streaming and stuff, I feel. But um, I also think as soon as, uh, as soon as it is possible to like play for people in real life, people are just gonna do it again because there's something very like spiritual and energetic about it. So I'm, I'm like sad about that. It's like really hard to not be able to do that. Um, and it is definitely challenging in terms of like thinking about what is the next three months, six months, year, year and a half, two years gonna look like. Um, and definitely like huge, huge plan changes. <clears throat> I was supposed to go on tour myself and also play with a couple of other friends' bands on tour this summer, which just like didn't happen, which is fine. So yeah, it's sad, but also at the same time, I like, I uh, I was able to be in a position where I was able to take a lot of time to just um, like not work as much. Uh, and I think that was really beneficial for me personally. Um, I came into the first lockdown in the in halfway through like a burnout leave from work um, and then left work in the summer and lived the Serb life, which I loved, God bless the server, but wish it just never ended. <laughs> and actually that led to me writing a, a grant to take those songs and turn it into an, an album, which will be my second album sometime next year. And then I got that grant recently. Yeah, so I'm, I, I, uh, I'm sad about all the things I was supposed to do, but also other things have come up. Yeah, I think that we're seeing that like across the board, um, at least within our communities here, but in other aspects as well of like a lot of doors closing, um, but new ones opening up. And I'm interested in what you were saying about, uh, you know, like accessibility and live streaming that has popped up and just giving an example of something that you've seen that you feel is doing it really right and mm -hmm. is really resonating. There's a, <laughs> there's a few, like, I thought, um, I think the hybrid, I think the hybrid model that like pop did was cool. Um, 
And I think all the artists felt very, we were very empowered to like choose an option of like having an audience or not that felt right and safe to us. Um, and also it's cool, like, I feel like part of the like culture of like a festival like pop was always that you had to like rush around to like see all your friends and you couldn't see them all at once. But now they're like, they're still on the internet so you can like watch your friends shows later. I like love that. Um, I really, uh, <clears throat> I think some festivals have created really cool, like interactive platforms, um, including the Pop Funhouse, but also like the Mutech website was very interesting. They could like skip between the different rooms and stuff. My uh, my parents run this music festival in Ontario called West Bend, and and it's in like a big barn in like a field in Eastern Ontario, and uh, they also went virtual and they created this like interactive site where you can like walk around the grounds. Um, so I think all of those things are like really neat, and like everyone, like it's such a testament to that whole world industry whatever that that like the amount of change that that people did in like a few months it's only been like eight months or whatever or 10 months or 50 years i can't remember but <laughs> <laughs> but like how people like all of a sudden became like media houses in a way that they were not before is like so amazing uh and really really cool I was just interested to know what you felt like was really working because I feel like in so many ways I'm such a person of real life and mm -hmm. embodiment and you're right like sharing music and having the experience of like being a part of the audience is a spiritual experience and it's a collective one and I'm, I'm mm -hmm. glad that people are still doing the work to try and understand these hybridized versions and to expand upon them. I feel like so much of the world is so dark right now and something that really drew me to you to talk to you is obviously because of your music um, and the sounds that you make but also because the work you've been doing recently on Instagram which wow. has just been so funny and <laughs> and like I feel like you saying that people have really become like these new media sources from themselves uh, do you feel like you could talk more about that or explain what you're doing in these video clips uh, for people who might not know. Totally. That is funny that I'd said that other, these festivals and things are becoming media production houses because I also feel like I've become a media production house. Exactly. <laughs> the department has become a media production house. Um, yeah, I mean, I started a few weeks ago I just started filming these little like skit, little like mini sketches where, I, comedy sketches where I would like often have two characters and like just have the two different angles and have like a little conversation with myself. And some of them are like, a lot, a lot of them are just like comments on like what I, like my very like subcultural or whatever community experience and like things that I just think are really funny and um, topical and like silly. And uh, I don't know, like, I just, I just, I just started doing it and then people like really responded extremely positively to it and like thought it was really funny. And like, I got lots of messages from people that, that they just like laughed and thought it, it brought like a little moment of joy to their day. And it also is this thing that I just like truly enjoy creating. So 
I just went off and did it. And I think so far I've, I've made like, I don't know, I've done two quote unquote seasons. Um, and I think that's like 12 or something videos. And season three is dropping any day now. Oh, wow. I can't wait. <laughs> I love your one um, that you do about workshop icebreakers. Yes. <laughs> Definitely a personal favorite of mine. Yeah. I mean, also just the, the workshop facilitation one. That one is that one's my favorite, too. And it's so near and dear to me because I used to be like a professional facilitator um, for like six years. And there is... Yeah, there's so much about that world that I like think is really funny and and I think it's like it's like healthy to laugh at it, but not in this like way that's like there's such important work that happens through through it, but I also think just some of it is so funny and like and uh, all my facilitator friends also agreed that it was hilarious. So <laughs> I'm not like making fun of that kind of work because I used to do it. Maybe I am kind of making fun of it, but anyway. The very first one I did was like a dating straight men like video where it was a fictional um, like interaction between me and like a, a man I was on a date with. And uh, yeah, it maybe was inspired by an actual experience I had with someone who was very nice, but whose apartment is disgusting. And uh, I uh, just made this funny just tried to make this funny comment on like boys being gross um and, and messy and people really loved it especially especially women who have the um uh experience of dating men <laughs> but yeah i love these videos and i feel like uh you've I, it's been really fun to see you finding this voice within yourself and all of these different characters and you know, obviously, uh, yeah, I was just had been wondering if you were like already involved in comedy or like very used to sharing yourself um, over the internet in other ways. And like, this has been a new platform for you to do so. Yeah, I mean, I I think I've always, my, okay, my friend, my friend the other, like a couple weeks ago when I first started sharing those videos said this comment to me that's been in my head, which is, they said like, I always knew you were funny, but I didn't know you were like a good comedian, like good at comedy, which are two very different things, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I always kind of secretly wondered if I could make comedic things, <laughs> but I never did it because I find it so, um, it's really intimidating and like scary and vulnerable. And because like, what if you're not funny, you know? Uh, which is why I have so much respect for like stand up people who do stand up. <clears throat> I did do stand up comedy one time, and I didn't tell any of my friends I was doing it. Uh, <laughs> I just did it, and it was at uh, Slut Island like a few years ago. And taking what we need was doing like a comedy night, and I did it, and it was one of the most terrifying like things I've ever done. Um, and I find it way more terrifying than like playing a show for a lot of people. But I guess it's also because it's new, but it's also like literally just you and a microphone. So it's, uh, it's a lot, but I really enjoy it. And I'm like very curious to explore other, um, other like possible thing, other possible like projects in the future. 
and maybe things that combine my like two worlds right now of like music and comedy. I'm actually just speaking of like what else is on the horizon for me. Um, my album comes out December 4th and we went back and forth a lot about like what can I do for an album launch show because I can't have, I can't like play for people in person. Um, and I wasn't really feeling like just playing a show or Zoom or Instagram live or whatever. And I wanted to do something different. So I'm actually producing a like 20-ish minute, um, like comedic, like show, uh, Part, part comedy, part like late night-esque style and then half a like musical performance show thing. <laughs> that will be my like album launch show and that'll be on, uh, that'll be on YouTube, so. Gosh, amazing. And it's coming out December 4th? I think so. I think it'll, I think it'll be the album launch show. Where are you filming? Mostly in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're all like having that challenge of how to step into the online, but uh, through performances, but also be different and is a great way. That sounds amazing. I can't wait to see your comedy. <laughs> your late night. <laughs> <laughs> or an evening show. Is that what you're going to call it? I don't know. I'm, st- Write I'm just it down. I'm just workshopping. <laughs> I'm feeling a close. Um, unfortunately, we have limited time, but I did want to say if you had any on their ending comments or if there's something that you wanted to bring up that we didn't necessarily touch on, now would be the time. Um, none other than I get by the time this uh, airs, my latest song alone together will be out um and would love people to go listen to it and also as of as of november 6th people can pre-order my album um also so on i'm putting out a few vinyls a handful of vinyls a handful of tapes and cds um but the other thing that i'm really excited about for the album is i i created a a 10 page like digital art zine um that people can, and it's like it's like one really wacky collage per song. Uh, and it's just a few bucks if you want to get a zine. If people want like a physical manifestation of the album that isn't like a, a tape or a CD or whatever. So those are also available and everything's available off my Bandcamp, which is just evepartofinlay.bandcamp.com. Oh my gosh, amazing. I'm so excited that you have a little zine and something to mm-hmm. hold. That's exactly. So, that's very thoughtful. Yeah. Wow. Well, I am so, I'm actually, I'm very excited to hear your new album. I hope that all of these upcoming projects, you sound super busy and alive right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but good luck with all of them. Um, thanks so much for talking with me and yeah, spending half of a sunny afternoon in front of a screen. I mean, it's 4.20 now, so sun's like pretty much down but otherwise it was still really nice to talk to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Thanks so much for listening to F-Files this morning. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Eve Parker Finley as much as I did. She's brilliant. Her music is wonderful and moving. The track that played under our conversation was from a live performance by Montreal artist Ylang Ylang, played at an event this past summer called Oxygen. You also heard tracks from Eve herself. Go check out her album, Chrysalia, released on December 4th.